Oh my goodness, it's New Year's 2023. Happy day. How how long, how deep? It's January 4th. So how deep, Jason Pridmore, do you get to go when you wishing people happy new year? What's how, the rule? How deep do I go? What are you on about? Like <laughs> how deep into January or February do you go when it's the first time connecting with someone where you say happy new year? Is it already too late? January? No, 4th? it's January. It's our it's our first show of 2023. I think it's fair to say happy new year to everybody, don't you reckon? Sure. Happy New Year and welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore presented by Bike911.com. That's right. If you need some legal advice and you got some contracts lingering around or you're a motorcycle rider and you got in an accident or something, reach out to Bike911.com. Alex Asante is our guy. He will handle your business. Jason, we missed the podcast last week. It was the holiday season or the holiday, I guess. So how was Christmas? How was New Year's for it, you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. It was really weird this year. It kind of... I, I made the joke to a friend. I said, I think it was Kolb. I said, Christmas kind of snuck up on me this year. He's like, yeah, yeah, they changed the date. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Wow, Kolb's funny? Yeah, oh my he gosh. has a Wait, sense of on. humor every now and then. Yeah, write this down. Yeah. No, but it was uh, it was, it was, was pretty good. It was very, very chill Christmas. Um, I think, Greg, I was so busy at Chuck Walla for like a, you know, like a week or, or more. And then, then we were all sick, you know, so... All of yeah. a sudden, I came home, and it was the 20th or something like that. And I was like, oh, man. So Christmas was mellow. And then I ripped over to Vegas for New Year's, which was interesting. Um, it's definitely not the Vegas that I remembered it being. It was it was really? kind of a little bit of a diff- different atmosphere. But it was fine. I mean, I'd never been to New Year's in Vegas. So did that. Check that off the list now. Driving home was a nightmare. And cool. um yeah, that's uh, that was that was it. It was, but like now I'm ready to get 2023 started. I get all excited. I think that you know, for me, I remember going through New Year's when I was a racer. It was like, oh my gosh, like the countdown to Daytona is on. You know, like we're two months out, we're eight weeks out, and you know, you got Supercross opening around Anaheim this weekend. So there's all these things, isn't there, G-Dub, where you sit there yeah. and you go like, it's time. Like it's now. It's we're getting ready to get the season kicked off and guys are getting all their new uh new rides dialed in and guys that have been with the same teams for a while are ready to get testing and you know that's uh it's an exciting time are you planning on going to any supercrosses this season like are you are you going to you're not going to this first one are you uh honestly gdub i haven't even thought about it i have gone to so many mm-hmm. of them and now being able to watch them on tv is so much nicer <laughs> i mean you can <laughs> that is true you don't have to deal with driving to LA and all that. And I, you know, for me, I am a super fan of it. I love watching it, but I just couldn't be bothered with driving down to Anaheim. And, uh, I did it for so many years. I mean, for 15 plus years, I was going to three or four or five rounds a year. And, um, and so like now I can watch it on TV and just enjoy my Saturdays doing other stuff. I like this time of year too. Mm -hmm. It's football season and like kind of the playoffs and I like watching all that stuff. So in this podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about Supercross. We're not going to do a deep dive into what's happening. I mean, there's plenty of other resources out there, but we are going to talk about our Supercross Fantasy League, the prizes. Jason's going to go over a bit on how you play it in case you're kind of new to it and a little confused about it last year. And then we're going to talk about you know some news presented by Arai, which, Jay, let's just, you want to roll into it? Let's get her let's done. Let's do it. Let's do it. AriAmericas.com is your resource to check out Arai Helmets. They got some new ones coming down the pipe, Jason. I think 
I went to a press launch in December, and I think the embargo is the end of January, but new helmet coming up. But anyway, hey, listen, if you want to put the best on your noodle, go check out AriAmericas.com. They have all kinds of helmets to fit your needs, from adventure touring helmets to off-road motorcycle uh, supercross-type helmets, and, of course, your plethora of street and road race helmets. They have a lot of options for your eyes and shades and all kinds of crap. So go to AriAmericas.com to check it out. All right. So, Jay, yesterday a bit of shocking news hit the wire, and that is that Scott Smart, who has been the technical director for the FIM, is stepping down. Now, in my opinion over the years, Scott Smart has done some really good things in terms of creating rules for World Superbike, and a lot of what happens over there leads into Moto America. He and Teague Dane, who's our Moto America technical director, have been really good friends. I think the biggest thing is the creation of the next generation bikes, this new super sport class we have that pit, you know, a 990 twin Ducati against a GSXR 750 against a Yamaha R6 and Triumph triples and, you know, MVs and all that stuff. But it's a bit of a shock. Um, and what the FIM has done is removed him, or I guess he's stepping down or whatever, and they've put. Uh, someone I believe, you know, from who's French, who I believe has had some time in the FIM World Endurance Championship into that spot. So I looked at that and I just started thinking to myself, well, wait a second, what's going to happen? Because the relationship between Scott and, and, and Teague has been great, that rules go back and forth for us. Do you read anything into that move that Scott Start Smart is stepping down? No, I, I don't. I was going to ask you why. You know, I was going to ask you, did he step down? Did they let him go? Um, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> all indications I, I, were I when mean, I spoke to Scott a little bit last year that everything was fine. He was going about his business, doing his thing. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I I, I'm a little. I mean, it, it could listen. It could be politics. There, there has been a struggle for years between the, the, what people don't often understand is like. Moto America's rule book is technically an AMA rule book. Mm -hmm. Now, the guy who executes that rule book is a Moto America guy. That's Teague. So it's important, I think, in my view, having been in both types of series where the series owns the rule book or you have a sanctioning body that owns the rule book in the series. Let's say, for instance, Dorna, who owns MotoGP, owns World Superbike. They don't control the rule book. Mm -hmm. Something tells me that Scott Smart has been very pro uh, business model with his rules because it's really created some good racing. It's allowed new manufacturers to come into the sport with these next gen. And I'm not sure the FIM as political as they are, are entirely happy about it because they own the rule book, but yet there's been this influence. So ah, yeah. I, I don't know the inner workings of it, but it's, I, I looked at it for face value and I thought this sucks, man. It absolutely sucks, but I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to call doom and gloom to the future. No. But I like Scott. I like I Scott. And I think that Scott's done overall really good things. And the question is, what happens now to next generation? You know, to these bikes, to these rules. I know that there's only like two people that really have ever so far controlled the actual like mapping and stuff to balance these bikes. And that's been the guy who owns the company that makes the electronics kit and Scott. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. Does, does Dorna keep him on as a consultant? Right. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I got to reach out to Scott and find out, but it you know it a lot of people look at that news Jay and they just go oh it's just all right this guy's stepping down big deal but it could be a big deal for the future of Moto America because we're aligned with FIM rules don't you think though it 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 definitely seems like something went down because it's a little bit late in the year to just read this like you would think that if dude no somebody kidding. was stepping down it would be towards the end of the last races of 
hey, Scott Smart's going to step down. This guy's going to be the new guy going forward. For this to happen in you know the beginning of January, um, whether they've known that this is happening for a couple weeks or not, I can't imagine. I think that for this to happen late December, early January, uh, makes you think that something kind of went down where there was a disagreement or there was something. But you're like, look, Greg and I don't know that for fact, but that's what it would appear to seem. Yeah. But, but All right, yeah, let's move on to job. something else that might – so I have a question for you. Yeah. Greg. So this might stir the pot a bit, but on MotoGP.com, they posted a video from race director Mike Webb explaining what happens on photo finishes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's really for somebody learning, right? So we you you know we know what photo finishes are if if it's really close and you can't determine exactly who's a race when you go to the photo finish. So no big deal. They explain that, but what they did explain too is if there is a dead heat, and there have been dead heats in the past where a photo finish is not determined the winner, the tiebreaker is the fastest lap of the race, whoever sets the fastest lap of the race. Now, I was thinking about that, and Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, how is that a tiebreaker? This is what I think. I think the rule should be the person who had the the furthest back starting position of those two people or three people or whatever that that photo finish is, I think that should be the race winner because they went a longer race distance than the other person, so they went faster. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's first to second because you have that five meters or whatever it is difference. Or if you're first, if you're first and you cross the line with someone who started 15th and you're come across the line dead even and the photo finish, the photo can't determine it. They go to fast lap. I think they should go to starting position. Hmm. And I'm curious to, to, to get your take on that. That was one of those things like, you know, I'm on the toilet, I'm scrolling through, and I'm just thinking about stuff. You know what I mean? It's cute. Something where you really solve your problems and really come to grips it's with cute. life. cute. Thanks for the visual. You know, that's an interesting – It's all of it's very interesting. So you're basically saying that the guy that came from 15th that gets up closer and wins the rate or in ties should be credited with the win because he came from further right. back? Exactly, because that person covered more track distance technically than the person who was ahead of them, that, which means that technically they went faster. That just sounds like somebody who's on the back row of the grids a lot to me. <laughs> That's what that sounds like. What? Come on. So, Dear. so, so, a guy who's at, on pole. That's why I'm asking. The guy, the guy on pole position doesn't get credit for having pole position during the race, and the fact that somebody caught him or the fact that somebody was there, you just discredit the guy that that went the quickest of everybody in qualifying. No, I'm just looking at the race itself. When you look at the race, and let's say pole to 15th, I'm just saying so the this person happened to you, GW, in real life. Did you come from the back and not get credited with a win? Is that what happened here? No. No. I mean, <laughs> no. the only time I've ever won is because I was close to the front, I think. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. I'm not getting what? started. This is my 2023 New Year's resolution. Mm. Do not get G-Dub down a path of talking about racing himself. So, yeah, that's my bad on that. Good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with yeah, that. It's not going to happen, is it? Um, what, whatever. Anyway, discuss so they're going, yourself, they're going fastest. So they're going fastest lap of the race. I mean, listen, you almost have to think, though, G-Dub, to your point, that if a guy's come from that far back, he's probably turned a quicker lap than the leaders anyways. Yeah, it, that's a good point. So, I mean, I, yeah, I so get there's, that there is that, but I don't know if you'll ever you would find... hope. I mean, unless somebody <clears throat> ran off, whatever. I don't know if you'll there's ever... No really good if, solution. I don't know if you'll ever find a... Uh, I don't know if you'll ever find a a true way of, I mean, there, there, there could be 15 different scenarios that you could try to draw up of who gets credited with what. And I think that how often does it happen? Hardly ever, like never, like hardly. When was the last yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, There's only, I think they when only had like th- two videos 
What one was like a two fifty race video somewhere? They I remember a two fifty race. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, yeah. I can't Lorenzo, where Lorenzo. Was it? it was it was Lorenzo in two fifties. So it was a long time ago. Dead, dead wow. heat, and he went fastest lap of the race. So he ended up winning that race. Mm. Like yeah. I said, it was just an explanation, and yeah, it just kind of started me thinking. Like, is that really fair to do? And I, I guess you're right. Like overall, you'd have to say you would think the f- person who did the fastest lap of the race was the person who had to catch the other person, right? Correct. But there's all kinds of scenarios. Hey, listen, you know. Uh, you can comment on our social media, whatever the last post was, and tell us what you think about yeah. it. So there you go. Hey, Jay, the Dakar is going yeah. on right now, the Dakar rally. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to American Mason Klein. Uh, last year, Mason was the youngest rider to ever finish in the top 10 at the Dakar, and this year he's already won a stage, and he was leading it also on the day that he won. He won stage two, and he had the lead. Um, He... He slipped a little bit, you know, okay. like today, but he's still top six. He was featured on Itchy Boots. I don't, I know you don't really watch her videos, but Itchy Boots is like got 1.5 million subscribers ish. I don't even know who and that is. What is that? Uh, Norley, she, she's a woman who basically is traveling around the world on, on her own. Ah. And she shoots videos like, er, like every day, every other day, she puts a video out there. And this last trip, she started in South America and rode all the way up to Alaska. Oh, so she rides. Finished. That's cool. Oh, she yeah. rides, yeah, and she's doing it on like a CRF 300, dude. Mm. It's gnarly. Very entertaining, good videos. She stopped in California. Um, so she went up to Alaska, and the bike was pretty clapped out. She put like 45K, so 20-something thousand miles on the bike in this last trip. And so was getting it rebuilt, and they were shipping parts to Alaska, so she had a bunch of days. So she went to like uh, Montana or something or Utah and rented a, a rally bike and did a rally in Mexico. Wow, cool. And... Like road, yeah, like a three day, I think it was three or six day, and she stopped at Mason, who doesn't live too far from where you are. Actually, okay. it's not too far away. He's what's the road? He lives over, uh, I think, like um, on the other side, you know, like Castaic area okay, or something, yeah. whatever, and maybe in that valley. What's that valley? Valencia. Uh, yeah, the Valencia Valley, somewhere yeah. around there. So, like they they went off road riding and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, I that familiar area looks pretty familiar. But anyway, so. It was cool because he was featured on her channel, started a GoFundMe page uh, before he was on the channel. They've already raised like $25,000 for him. But so I wanted to make note of him because I think he's like 19, maybe he's 20 years old and he's sixth right now in the Dakar. Pretty cool. But the highest ranking American in in the general classification is actually uh, Tyler House, who's the factory Husky rider. He's 30 years old and he was actually a favorite coming in to the Dakar. So go look up Tyler House, H-O-W-E-S. Go check his stuff out because he's that rags to riches story, dude. He used to sell this and that just to get to the Dakar. And now he's factory husky, That's cool. making a good living. Yeah, yeah, all that yeah, kind of stuff. So, yeah. I know that some people have an issue with the Dakar because it's in Saudi and stuff. I, I just like watching and, and admire the how difficult that motorcycle race is. And we have like three or four Americans, five Americans in the race. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, you know, Greg, I don't follow it like at all. And so when you, every year around this time, I know you keep pretty close eye on it. And I, a lot of us followed it last year because of Petrucci, but I know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's the hardest they say. It's the I mean, remember race. we're making such so. a big deal that Petrucci won one stage of the Dakar. Unreal. Yeah. You know, and, and this kid from Cali's already won a stage and then yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. No, that um, so that's about all I have for your did news you presented see, by Ryan. Did you see, just to throw a little bit of news out there myself, did you see that uh, 
Crash.net's reporting that Jorge Martin is already in negotiations, or Lynn Jarvis is trying to poach Jorge <laughs> Martin with already? Yamaha. Yeah, like, mm. like, yeah, but you know who that sends a big warning shot off to, right? Who? Morbidelli. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got to like. It's going to be interesting if they get this. They got to get that bike better. And I mean, Jorge Martin would be a, a guy I would go after. I really like the way he rides. I like everything about what he does. Um, you know, I think that that's going to be a uh, that's going to be interesting to see next year. And, and man, it, it continues, Greg. The the continuous stuff that's coming out about Honda that's actually being aired out for all of us to to read about. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's pretty wild. Alex Marquez has just been railing it about how Hana doesn't really do anything. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of things there. And I saw, like you and I talked about before, Juan Mears come out with his first conversation about it. Seems like his expectations aren't, like, very high going into this year. It's more of got to feel this year out. we got to try to make this bike better. And I think between him and Marquez and Renz, um, I think that, that that can get done. I think they can try to go down a path. I think – I looking at what Honda did by getting both factory Suzuki riders on the Honda. I think somewhere there, there's an underlying, I don't know, uh, common factor, I guess you could say, where it's like, if we go get these two guys, maybe they can help us get this bike better. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. Speaking of that, did you see Rin's post? I did. So I guess it's, it's a Spanish April fool's day. And he posted yeah. like, that they're going to let him ride the Suzuki, whatever, and, the, and people started losing their shit. With Brivio, right, as team manager and all yeah, that? Yeah, with Brivio as team manager. I looked yeah. at that and just started giggling because I was just yeah. like, as a guy who's born on April 1st, I'm always kind of looking out for that April Fool's joke. I didn't know it was April Fool's Day in Spain or whatever, but I was like, dude, there's no there's no chance this is this is real. Yeah, okay? that's pretty Suzuki's funny. not lending those bikes to anybody. That program is parked. Those things are going in a museum. It's too bad. Too bad. Yeah, some are going up for sale or whatever. It's been, yeah, that that that's up for about sale. the end of the news. Up for sale. That's what they might. Do I them? mean, they might. You never know where those buy. I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, obviously they shut down the MotoGP program, so Suzuki's in such dire straits. Maybe they do need to, you know, sell those bikes for fifty k each. Interesting. Yeah, fifty k each. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you got to build. You got to build electric uh, ATVs. So they, they mean, go good in the dead of winter in North Dakota. What a sad case that whole thing is. As good as Suzuki was still at the end, it's it's such a bummer to see them go. The here's the worst so. part. The worst part is is that I really like the people at American Suzuki. And I and I love that they're in the series. They have program they support. I love the, re, the revitalization of the GSX-R750. And you know I love their motorcycles. We spent all mm-hmm. those years at Star School on them and stuff. But there's just something that just it just I don't know why I know it's a business decision, but it just pisses me off. Yeah, that they had I'm such a good bike. They had su- if their bike was ass and they walked away, I'd be like, yeah, all right, I get it. You're throwing money down a rabbit. But the fact that the bike was literally it literally finished on top, on top. There's no other place to go, and they're like, eh, yeah, we're good. Be done gotta, with it. Got to build electric motors. It's so weird, isn't it? It's so yeah. weird. Well. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's it is what it is, and now we got two Suzuki riders on a Honda, so we'll see how that all ends up. G Dub, it's time for Supercross 2023. So you know, I was going to get in. Gentlemen, I was going to get into this. Uh, you know, our fantasy Supercross is starting this week. 
I'm going to do my best, Greg, to try to explain how it all works and the best strategies for success, even though I have very little at it. Uh, <laughs> success, that is. Um, yeah. But I think what, what would be more interesting to talk about real quick before we do it is it's kind of the entry list of guys. I haven't followed it as much this offseason as I have in the past. And so I think that when you start to look at uh, the entry lists and stuff for this year, um, I mean, Jay, there hasn't been a ton of changes, you no. know, in the off season from, from what I've seen, who was Aaron Plessinger riding for last year? The same. He's on the same team. I think he's riding for was Red, he Bull Red Bull KTM. KTM? He yeah, wasn't he like was. Husky or. Okay. No, no, he was Red Bull KTM. Um, and so like when you start to look at it, you obviously have Tomac. Then, you know, is, you know, Webb and Plessinger on the Red Bull KTMs. You got the guy that, I mean, everybody's going to be wondering about is. Adam C. and Cirillo. Can, like, G-Dub. Can he? Uh, yeah. Can he pull it together for a year and not get injured? That's the big thing for me. I mean, is there a guy that you kind of root for more than him? I mean, for me, no, it's I mean, like, I just want like him to be successful. I want him to be healthy. I want him to be healthy before I want him to be fast right now, you know? It's true. Yeah. I mean, well, his struggles of coming back from injury is incredible, the fact that he's going to line up again. Yeah. No, exactly right. So you got... You got Tomac and you got Dylan Frandes on the Monster Energy Yamaha Star Racing team. That's not changed. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Frandes had some injuries towards the end of the year last year. Um, he didn't get to really defend the outdoor championship. That didn't he win it two years ago? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, so he didn't really get to defend that. So you know he's coming back now. He's going to be in Supercross and uh, and then Kawasaki team, Cian Cirillo and Jason Anderson now. My view is, is if Jason Anderson can clean up some of the things that he did last year, um, you even heard him talk about maybe he was a little too aggressive at times and took some chances that maybe he didn't need to take. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if he can learn from that. And because, Greg, when you look on paper, Tomac, I mean, Tomac is obviously a favorite. Cooper Webb, former champion, favorite. Then you got Jason Anderson, um, another former champion who I think is another guy that you could call a favorite, you know, going into the year. But what about Chase Sexton? Chase Sexton is kind of the guy that I think a lot of people have earmarked as being the guy um, to upset the apple cart in Supercross right now. So um, you got you got him. Who's his teammate, Greg? Who's who's uh, Sexton's teammate this year in on the four fifties? Do you even know? I don't think he. Oh yeah, Colt, no, it's Colt, uh, Colt Nichols. Nichols. Yeah, Colt Nichols, right. yeah, that's right. So I, I actually did not know that. Um, so yeah, Colt. Yeah, Nichols. so they, so so Colt Nichols is a change. Jay, you have uh, Christian Craig. He's on the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory with Malcolm team. Stewart, right? With Malcolm Stewart, that's a big okay. one. And of course, the the news we you know we talked about here, which is Kenny Roxon going on the, the Progressive Insurance X Star Suzuki team mm. on the Suzuki RMZ. That's that. that those, those are the things that kind of stand out. That and and that Garrett Steinke is is in the 450 class on a Husqvarna 250, <laughs> two stroke. That's big news. Yeah, big news. <laughs> Old stank um, dog man. I, yeah. yeah, I'll be keeping well, so, an eye in the stank. You know, when you start to look at this and you start to think about the championship, I watched a video this morning of Cooper Webb who just looked like he was flying. Um, all these guys do. I think when you start to to break it down again. It's such a gnarly season. It's such a hard season to stay healthy all the way through. That's what made riders like Ryan Dungey and things so popular and so great. But, I mean, where do you put Roxon in this mix? When you start thinking about Tomac and Cooper Webb and all these other guys, Jason Anderson, Cia Cirillo. Cia Cirillo we can't really put in that group yet because he's he's shown speed, but he's not really got the results to 
to back that up, I mean, Rock's not a Suzuki. Where does he finish? Where does he finish this year? It all depends on his health because the thing I know about Roxon seeing it with my own two eyes is that when he is on, mm-hmm. he's unstoppable. There's nobody that can touch him. Yeah, and it'll be yeah. That's the thing. I don't know how good the Suzuki is. I mean, the problem with Suzuki is is that they've kind of missed out on a couple of years of development. <clears throat> but if you go back and you look at what Suzuki's done on the street bike side, on the motocross side, they 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 have been revolutionizing motorcycles for years and years and years. The problem is, is that when they lose focus on the development. So I'm not really sure. It's a big question mark. I don't know about his health. I don't know about his renewed attitude. You know what I mean? That motivation of going somewhere new and maybe trying to help develop this bike, whatever they're going to do. He's the big question mark for me, but he also could be the one that ends up determining this championship could stick his nose in there. I think there's a couple of key things. I think, Cooper Webb traditionally hasn't started great. I think he's got to come out of the gate stronger. I think you, you obviously have to look at Justin Barsha, who's won many of these things, you know, the first rounds. He didn't win it last year. So Barsha stays on the Troy Lee Designs, you know, Red Bull Gas Gas team. Is he going to come out about strong? Him. Yeah, I'm glad you talked yeah, about you know, him, I forgot. But you know what? Yeah. You know what does strike me, Jay, is that hmm. this paddock seems to be aging. Tomac's been around. Cooper's wow, been around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the Lawrence brothers the, that, are the next big thing, right? And you they are the Colt next Nick, big thing, Colt but in the 450 class, yeah, yeah, the 450 class, you know, who's in there, who we talk about, who's got consistent speed, who's Sexton. getting up there in years, right? Sexton's, well, Sexton. And he's like kind Malcolm. of the young one right now, right? And Malcolm, you'd hope so. that Malcolm, does he win a race finally? It'd be so sick to see Malcolm Dude. Stewart win a race. I don't know. I hope so. It's just, I mean, it's I just, hard. It's hard. Yeah. But I have so, to imagine he's been doing some things in the off season, you know, that, have, so. that are fixing some things, but so, yeah, so nice. yeah. And the two fifty class, Jay, you know, you're, you're just talking about your, your entries in general, you have the Lawrence brothers, right. And then you have yeah. guys like Pierce Brown and you, know, you hope Max Volan's going to make a step and styles. Uh, Robertson has got some, some big moves in him. McAdoo old, like there's just Forkner, Oldenburg. There's some really big names that we know about. And some people we haven't even spoken about that are on good teams. And I think the season's wide open. The question is, at this point, Jet Lawrence for the West, RJ Hampshire Brown, what's Jet going to do in the opener? Yeah. You know, I, I don't is he going to just go him. grab this championship? Exactly. I don't see anybody beating him either. But it's his Supercross. Anything can happen. I mean, you know, did you see that there was a photo posted, I think, from Supercross's Twitter page about like Anaheim in like 1980 versus what Anaheim is today? Or no, 82 or something no, what, like that. Did well, you see it? No, what was it? Dude, it, it was just a photo, side-by-side yeah. photo of like the drawing, the animation of Anaheim now and kind of the drawing that was made of Anaheim's wow. track, you know, like way back in the in the early 80s. Yeah. And the, the dude is so freaking gnarly what they have to contend with now. Yeah. I mean, I there was like one whoop section back then. Now it's like every straightaway's got, you know, rhythms or whoops on it. Like it's it's and so the gnarly. Back then in nineteen eighty were not that that gnarly. So heck no. Dude. Now they're just if you've never if you've never as a as a listener of our podcast, if you've never and I'm sure most of you haven't, but if you've ever stood next to where these guys go through whoops and like I've been to the test tracks and stuff, the the ground shakes when they go through. Like it's when one rider they hit the whoops so hard, they're usually they're usually hitting them in third gear or more, fourth gear. And because they're trying to skim across the top of them and the ground actually shakes and they're so deep. These whoops are so deep 
and the commitment it takes to rip through them. But yeah, you can actually feel the ground move when they go through. Dude, I've given pit reports wild. like in in the at the bottom of them, right? Like yeah, talking so literally. Crazy. I'm I'm six foot two, and I've stood in these whoops, like pointing at the top of you know them at like chest level, saying like you can see where it's getting redded out here. Or you're down at the bottom of these jumps. It's pretty crazy when you stand there from it's pretty wild. bottom and look up. Like just the fact that these guys <clears> get <throat> hardly any practice time and can figure these tracks out so fast. Well, it's pretty gnarly as well. There's something about that because I talked to um, God. Who was it? Was it McGrath? Number of years ago, might have been Ricky. It was Ricky Carmichael. I talked to him um, when we were doing the car race thing together, and. And so I got to spend a lot of time with him uh, for a few tests anyways. And what was remarkable to me is that remember when him and Jeremy would go do parade laps at the start of the, the night shows, they, 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 Ricky and Jeremy would go out and do parade laps. They were already retired and uh, they'd bring him back in. <clears throat> and he said that McGrath came to, I forget where it was. Didn't get a practice lap. Didn't get one lap on the track. <clears throat> and basically Ricky told him, just follow me. You know, I, I did the track, follow me, because everything's built to spec. So the, the triples are the same same length and the whoops and are the same heights. And so everything's kind of oh, built to a certain spec. Right. So these guys, they know exactly what they're getting into when they're going off a corner. It's not like you and I going to a new racetrack and trying to discover how fast we can go through turn four. It takes us some time to build up to that. So he basically said that, that McGrath showed up didn't get to do any practice laps, rolls out into the night. You know, they're doing the whole introduction thing. Then they send those guys out for a fast lap. <clears throat> and Jeremy just followed Ricky off everything and just did everything the exact same <laughs> way. So crazy. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. wild. So, yeah. But I guess also, how many laps do they do compared to, like, laps that we do, right? All the practice tracks they go to, they ride, you know, probably, what, four times a week. And the neural pathways built and understanding just visually – all right, this is the angle of this jump. I just have to do this speed because I've done it a hundred times. A million before. times. They've done it a million times. Like all the, you know, all the tracks that you see, I mean, even if they're changed up a little bit, they're all, they've all got the same spec. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Right, right, so, right. Yeah, so, so the tabletop is going to be this angle, this <laughs> yeah, height, whatever they this, do. This yeah. triple is going to be, and, and then they just modularly like kind of, okay, this is how we're going to build this track together. So guys, but Anaheim, how, Anaheim yeah. looks gnarly, bro. Anaheim looks gnarly. But let's I gotta talk look a little at bit it. about. I gotta look yeah, at let's it. talk a little bit fantasy, about fantasy. We've right, got so, our fantasy so, again. Greg and I do on um, Pulp MX. Um, you'll be able to find our league on there. You can go on there and sign up. And um, I'm looking right now, Greg, to see if my login and everything is the same as last year. And it looks like so, it is. It should be. Yep. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, you can go to you can go to pulpmxfantasy.com. The link is in the description of this podcast as well. And if you haven't signed up, you can sign up. It's free. It's, you know, you don't have to buy anything. Yep. You just sign up for free. And on the left-hand side of your screen, you're going to see dashboard, my team, championship, results, and leagues. Yep. You can click on our link directly, and it'll take you to, like, pulpmxfantasy.com slash leagues slash uh, Greg's Garage Podcast. That because, yep. like, it's limited in space. That And then you just you just join our league. It's wide open for everybody else. But the biggest and, thing, Jason, is yeah. is getting to my team. Yeah. So what you're going to do is basically once you get on there, uh, and like Greg says, you'll see it says dashboard on the left, my team, championship, results, leagues. The hardest part about this 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 one, it actually takes a little bit of thinking, but it's a really fun one to to, to go by. You're going to have to pick four 250 riders. You're going to have to pick four 
450 riders. And what I like to do, Greg, is instead of going last name, uh, there's a little pull-down menu where you can go. I like to go by handicap. So each one of these riders is handicapped. So right now, if you look at it like I'm in the 250 category, you look at Jet Lawrence. He's an all-star. There's going to be eight all-stars. So when you pick your riders into 250 class, you're going to pick one all-star. Then you're going to pick three other riders. And it's the same in the 450 class. You're going to pick one all-star and then three riders on top of that. How the handicaps work, it's a lot like golf, G-Dub, where if you got a guy that's a six handicap, if he finishes sixth or better, you're going to get those points accordingly. So if he finishes sixth, you're going to actually get first place points. Okay. So oh, okay, got if it. you've got a guy that's like a six handicap and he finishes sixth, you're going to get sixth place points. If he was to finish 12th, you're going to get sixth place points. Okay. So mm-hmm. I don't want to make this sound so complicated where it turns people away. It's actually very, very simple. And what it makes you do is kind of strategize the guys that you want to pick. So when you start looking through your heat races or your qualifying through the day and your fast lap times, then you'll see the guys who have their handicaps and how that works. Now, the big thing I got caught out on last year was, you know, you get some of these long shot guys that, that qualify well, but then they don't make the main event. So you got to be a little bit careful because you could get a guy that's got a, a 12 or 14 handicap, Greg, and then you pick him thinking, wow, he qualified eighth on the day. Well, he's a 14 handicap for a reason. It's because maybe race strategy or fitness, or there's something that we don't know about him. Maybe he was hurt. Maybe he could get one good flying lap in. So you, you got to be a little bit careful with who you pick and how you pick your riders. Now, each week you cannot pick the same rider twice. That's the other thing that makes this league a little bit better. That's, in the, the, that's the crazy bit. That's yeah. the crazy bit. So you might go, well, I really love Jet Lawrence. Well, you could pick him You could pick him this week, but next week you're going to have to go with a different all-star. All right? And that goes through all the way through. So it doesn't matter if you've got a guy that's – a 15 handicap and he did you right. Like, Oh my God, the guy ended up finishing 12th. So I got first place points for 15 handicap guy. The thing is, is that you can't pick him again next week. And, and you know, and, and these guys handicaps change as the weeks go. The eight all-star riders change as the weeks go because they usually take the top eight guys in points and make them their all-star guys. So there is some strategy. It's probably a lot less complicated than I've made it sound. Um, no, it's but, pretty good. I mean, the only other thing I can think of is there are some riders where you get double points. I know all-stars, you can't get double points, but I can't remember what the rule is. It's something like if you pick someone who's not an all-star and they're in the top 10 or something, they get double points or they're within, I don't know. I can't remember. There's 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 ways to get double points and it's in the rules. Like there's actually a place when you go there, there's a help section and you can click on it. It's at the bottom. It says help and information. It describes everything for you. The one thing to understand about this league, folks, is you got to select every week. Your team does not carry over to the next week. You've got to at least make some type of a selection or else you get a big fat goose egg, which I had like two last year, two or three. Which makes it hard. Like it it does make it hard because, look, it it takes a little bit. But when I say it takes a little bit, you can also just go in and just make picks. Like you don't have to. I think sometimes G-Dub and I, we've talked about it in the sense that I'd probably be better off not looking at it so close and just going ahead and going, I'm taking him, I'm taking him, I'm taking him, I'm taking that's, him. That's what happened to me. Because we're, we're like the Daytona or something, and literally I was like down to like five minutes till the – because the pick stopped That's the moment, right. Yeah. Remember? And it was my best yes. weekend of the year. That's right. I literally didn't there do any no research. There was no thought behind it. Went, nope. Went ba 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 ba. Got lucky. 
because the 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 uh, your ability to select ends when the evening program starts. So the moment that they roll out for the evening program, you can't select anymore. You have so to have your picks in. And we we sit out at Chuck Walla and we watch all these races. And there's guys like Nick Siling and others that have been really uh, they're really good at this stuff. Like they, so we'll all be in the garages watching and figure out who we got and. You know, the fact, if you can get all eight of your riders into the, into the main events, that, that's, it's, it's, that's the, that's the thing, thing, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, between you at least and you're me and Chuck some and, points. All right, we got it. We got to have, it's me, you, Chuck, Uncle Skip, right? We had our little, yep. uh, so got it's, it's, thing. and actually the funnest part about it is the shit talking between friends and it's that's pretty true. fun to be able to, to, to rail on each other about all eight of my guys ran and some other poor guys got six in. I was, I was absolutely horrendous at the end of the year in this one last year but but we i enjoy i enjoy doing this yeah I, well it's it's difficult because like greg said there'll be times when i'm teaching all day on a saturday i'm coaching and i'm working with people and this and that and the night program's on the east coast so i'm like literally getting off the track at four in the afternoon and that's when the night program's getting ready to start yeah so so we're trying to just get the picks in the most we can michael gilbert's been doing a lot of my friends and, and people have been on this. And I know our, our fantasy league last year, I think, was pretty big. So it would be great if we can get it you know, big again this year. What's at stake, folks, is at the end of the season. So if you participate, at the end of the season, uh, we're giving away a, a Rye XD4 helmet of your choice. That's the, not an XD4, the whatever, the motocross helmet, which is the RX something. Anyway. We're giving away a brand new Arai helmet, motocross helmet, and a set of Dunlop Q5s. Those are Dunlop's latest and greatest track day bikes. Jason has time on them. So does a bunch of other people with a ton of of track time on them. So you get a helmet and Q5s. Second place is going to get a set of Dunlop Q5s. And third place is going to get a set of Dunlop Q5s. So there you go. So make sure you join us, pulpmxfantasy.com. Uh, it's Greg's Garage Podcast. We want you to participate. We may say your name if you're doing well on the podcast. And, you know, people come up with some pretty clever names. If you have joined us in the past, you're already in our league. If you've never left our league, you're already in the league itself. You just have to make sure you know your username and password. All right, yeah, Jay, let's perfect. roll on to some some other stuff. Um, before we wanted to get out of here, wanted to update you on some going on in road racing and some dates for 2023. As of right now, you can see Moto America racers in action beginning at Daytona for the Daytona 200, March 9th through the 11th in Daytona Beach. However, no Medallia Superbike. Medallia Superbikes will make their debut at Road Atlanta April 21st through the 23rd. That seems like a long time to see Superbikes. But uh, there'll be nine events this year with 20 races total. So there are two events that Moto America has for Medallia Superbike where there will be three Superbike races. We hope you come to Road Atlanta. We definitely want to see you. Jay, on the MotoGP side of things, Sepang Test is coming up February 9th. The season begins March 16th in Portimao. In Portugal, there's there's like seven days before that or six days before that, there's the second official test. But in terms of our first real taste of racing, that's going to be World Superbike. The season begins February 24th through 26th at Phillip Island. And they normally, I think there's a couple of days testing there before that. Yeah, they test there right before. That's correct. Yeah. And I think so, they have another test somewhere else coming up. Uh, like I think in... Beginning of February or end of January, or something our boy Steve English could tell us, but I think they go to Jerez or something. They test for a couple of days, and yeah, because I know a lot of teams already shook, did like a shakedown test there, like at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They went to Jerez, and 
some of the, it was a little bit affected by weather and things, but I know that that's where I think they go. Yeah. And of course you've seen Garrett Gerloff is off of the Yamaha. Now he's on the Bonovo BMW team and there's video out about his first test. Now that the first of the year is here, it's posted on road racing world, a bunch of places. So definitely go check that out because there's some exciting moves that have happened in the off season in the Superbike class of world Superbike. However, WorldSBK.com released the World Supersport entry list, the 2023 mm. provisional entry list, Jay, with 30 riders on it. And um, some of them are just the World Supersport Challenge, which I think is just the European rounds. But there are okay. some interesting names. Interesting names. First of all, Jorge Navarro and Stefano Manzi, Tenkata Racing on a Yamaha R6. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Jan Andrews back with Kawasaki Pichetti. But Harry Love from Great Britain is teaming with Nikki Tooley on the Dynavolt Triumphs on those 765Rs. Marcel Schroeder with Safoglu, Keenan Safoglu's nephew, I believe, right? Yep. They're on the, the MV Augusta. Bulaga remains on that Ducati uh, V2, the one that Heron went on. Our boy Valentin DeBees, full-time on the GMT 94 Yamaha on the R6. Yeah. Casulo is on a Ducati. Same team. On a, yeah, same team, right? DeRosa also on a Ducati. Moving down the list, you know, um, Ollie Bayless, Troy Bayless's kid, still in the yep. mix on his yep. uh, on his Ducati Penegali. But the other big name, Jay, is John McPhee. We didn't talk. I don't think we talked about it on the uh, podcast, yeah. but John McPhee is transitioning from Moto3 where he aged out, and he's got a ride in Supersport. He's going to be on a Kawasaki ZX6R for the Vince 64 by Pochetti racing team. Pretty talented field, Jason. I mean, Luke Power, how about, of course, how about who Luke was Luke Power was here last year. Yep. He's going to be teamed with, with Tom Booth Amos, who we know is from world super sport 300. I mean, there are, there are some really notables in, in this field. What do you think about the strength? And, and, and of course you have people coming from, you know, from, Moto, Moto GP and Moto, Moto 2, 2 and yeah. yeah, yeah, all this kind of stuff. So what do you think about it? Well, I think it's interesting. I did read last night where the Monzi thing is interesting because I think Bradley Smith was supposed to have that that ride. Um something oh. happened there and that didn't so it's not it's not happening now, which is which is a bummer. Um I I think, you know, when you start to look at like Marcel Schroeder, we saw him do a last couple rounds on that MV Augusta at the end of the year. Will he be a big factor? I think when you look at this, it's always fun when a um, when another when all your champions move out, like the guys that we kind of knew to dominate. You got to look at Monzi as the guy that's uh, the favorite right now to be the guy to to take this championship. He did really well last year on the Dynavolt Yamaha or uh, Triumph, I mean. And so when you start to look at him now with Tankate, you got to look at him as as a possible favorite. Navarro, we just don't know about because he's coming back from a big injury. I think Can Anchu obviously has the pace, but he's got to be able to find that pace over race distance like a, the whole time. Other than that, it's wide open. Kara Casulo, former champion, he could be up there every weekend. But the championship this year is not going to be like it has been the last couple where we've seen Dominic Agurta just dominate. And I've mentioned it many times on this podcast that watching his racecraft and how he planned his races and what he did during his races, I loved watching Dominic Agurta this last year last two years. And now he's off to world Superbike. It's going to be interesting to see how he gets on in that class, uh, being world Superbike now. Um, cause I really rate him, but man, world super sport GW is wide open, isn't it? So yeah, it'll be fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. It's going to be really fun to watch. So 
that's pretty much all I have for this podcast, Jay. You know, obviously yeah. we're deep in the off season here, but um, hopefully super we'll have cross, some. Supercross, though. We got Supercross. It's mm-hmm. great. We're going to see bikes on track this weekend, G-Dub at Anaheim, and uh, get your fantasy in like G-Dub and I talked about. Yeah, definitely get your fantasy, and we want you to be part of this entire thing. So we'll uh, we'll have some stuff for you next week. We appreciate you tuning in. Jason, give us the kiss goodbye. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Wait, on your way out, I want you to I want you to say goodbye and tell us who you think is going to win Supercross. And whoever it is you think is going to win, I take the rest of the field for $10. Wow, $10, bucks, you dub. I'm not, well, I don't gamble, as you know. It's something I don't believe in. <laughs> I'm not a gambler. Right, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, G-Dub, I think it's wide open again, but I'm, I'm going to go with that, uh, with, with Jason Anderson to win the opener at Anaheim this year. I think that he was pretty hungry last year. I think he did a, you know, a good job. I think he, he was pretty contrite in him uh, looking at himself and some of the things I felt like he thought he could change going into Supercross season 2023. I'm going to take Jason Anderson, even though we usually have a surprise winner and Barsha's probably going to be the winner again, who knows? Cause he wins that every year, it seems. But I'm going to go with Jason Anderson to win Anaheim 1, and that's my pick. Who's your pick? Jet Lawrence. He's going to actually race the 250 in the 450 class and beat everybody. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I'm just kidding. I uh, I somehow I think that uh, Tomac kind of ended his season. He wins the championship in outdoor, but he was kind of hurt, you know? Yeah. And something tells me he's been working hard. I'm going to go with Tomac. Boy, really going out on a limb there, G Dub. Congrats on your pick. That's uh, that's. You know, By the way, you really and I, you out. and I are are given predictions based on no knowledge of who who got Zero. hurt today, right? You know what I mean. It always seems yeah. like right With before the season, crush, someone you never gets know. hurt. Yeah, who, who who's been has a nagging injury from tripping over a stool in November? Like we don't whatever. Know. We're no yeah, Jason no, Wygant, that's right. for sure. Yeah, we need to had Weej on here, but anyways, everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast again. It's a new year, new season. And uh, hopefully we can keep you guys entertained once again. See you later.